Hello and welcome to a slightly delayed um, podcast. We had hoped to be doing this uh, a few weeks ago. However, unfortunately, real life intervened for for us, uh, for team members along the way. And so apologies for that. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we'll make up with quantity, if not quality. Um, the usual team are here, obviously myself, um, Richard Jeffrey Cook and Matt Haywood. Good evening. Evening. So um, this podcast, we're going to look east um, for our, our usual history and list section. section. Um, um, we're going as far east as Korea, in fact. And for this episode, Matt is going to take us through some of the history. So Richard gets a bit of a break. Uh, <laughs> although he will be contributing on armies, but... Before we get to that, so that Richard doesn't get too complacent, <laughs> I thought we'd, uh, instead of putting the, the, the sort of news items at the end like we normally do, I thought I'd do them up front because you know, we're coming to the end of the year and there's a number of things in the pipeline. And of course, um, lists, list books get a bit of a refresh at this time of the year. So I thought I'd just ask Richard if it was OK, if he would give us a bit of an update on where we are with the rules PDF project. 2023 army lists um, and if there are any changes to those that he wishes to flag in advance now or whether you're all going to get it as a big Christmas present. Uh, thank you Nick. So um, first up uh, the PDF edition. Uh, so the PDF edition is making good progress. We've had a first proof back from the layout guy and it's looking very good um and i'm in the uh, that has been proofread and number of corrections back to uh get corrected so all things being fair and equal i would hope that project should produce fruit early in the new year um just to stress by the way it the, we're not introducing any um, rule rule changes, um, so the existing companion books will be perfectly valid. Should you not wish to acquire the PDF edition, um, but uh, hopefully the PDF edition will um, prove a useful alternative. Probably just worth mentioning that. Obviously, if you don't use the PDF, you'll want to keep hold of the clarifications document. Yes, the, the clarifications um, will be revised to make sure everything is in line with the um, PDF edition as well. Um, so that's that's the progress on the rules. Uh, following on from that, we'll complete the Pacto edition because the PDF edition will actually only cover Maximus and Magna and PD, uh, the Pacto will get its own uh, special um, PDF version with new Pacto-specific diagrams as well. All right. Um, uh, so that's that's the news on the PDF edition. On the 2023 list changes, um, those are pretty much complete. Um, I've had uh, excellent help from a very uh, good group of proofreaders uh, whose names I don't have to hand. So for fear of forgetting somebody, I'll not mention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
them at this stage. But my thanks, guys, for all the work you've done on that. Um, uh, so just got a few final corrections to put in place. Um, the plan I have for those is that they will be a sneak preview uh, available. So there will be a link going up on the forum for people to actually check out the 2023 lists, um, hopefully at the start of December. Um, this will be on the basis that um, there uh, might be a few errors, so if they get pointed out, they might be corrected before the lists are formally published, um, which hopefully will be uh, at the start of the new year. Um, just to summarise the important changes, the first one to mention probably is that all armies are now given uh, index numbers. Uh, so I'll get a four digit number. The first digit will indicate the era, uh, one for chariot, two for classical, three for early medieval, four for Asian, five for medieval, six for Americas and seven for Renaissance. Uh, which will cover the Italian wars and the last three Japanese lists. Um, the second digit will indicate the list set. The third and fourth digits are the give the unique army number. So starting with 1101 for early Sumerian, um, running through to 7203 for the um, Takeda of Japanese, I think will be the last list in the renaissance set. there'll be a prize for anybody who can memorize all of the lists um, yeah numbers. and no prize for the first person who spots the inconsistency in but all the allies will have the army index number listed and uh, all the historical enemies will have the army index number listed oh blimey um, that's uh, so, that's a lot so more than i was expecting richard <laughs> that's um the second change worth noting is that all the notes, rather than appearing at the bottom of the army lists, have now been placed in context. So if there's a note specific to a particular troop type, it'll actually appear uh, directly below that troop type. So no having to scroll up and down or missing out the particular notes um, as well. Um, uh, that um, the in terms of the changes themselves, um, the two substantive changes are first of all to Thuriophori. Um, Thuriophori will no longer have shove, but they will have an all or none option to change them to be loose um, short spear experienced javelin. Um, so if you don't agree with the interpretation of Thoriophori being sort of close order, um, long spear armed, um, sort of later type hoplites, then um, you've got the alternative of having them as more loose, flexible types. Um, the, the other big change is to uh, late Roman and early Byzantine legionaries and scutatoi who um, will now have the shield wall characteristic um, uh, that um, means they'll be more resilient to um, uh, charging tribesmen with dev chargers which seems historically justified um, 
Um, and related to that, the cost of shield wall will increase, but the cost of shove is being reduced. Um, so most armies that were valid in the 2022 lists should remain valid for the 2023 lists, with a few uh, exceptions being armies that are heavy on shield wall troops. Um, they, they might have to reduce their numbers of shield wall troops very slightly um, to um, affect that. Other than that, there are a lot of very minor corrections, typos, um, tweaks, a few um, um, restrictions put in for sort of unreasonable things like a good example of that would be the Imperial Roman Praetorian Guard. You now can't have two units of four. Um, you can only have one unit of Praetorian Guard and they have to be in the Army Commander's Command. Um, uh, there are a few adjustments also to make allies, some of the allies more um, reasonable um, to use. Um, I suppose that, and there are other specific things like the Quasimia, which were the Quaresmians that fought for some of the Arab states after being ousted from uh, Persia by the Mongols. They now form a separate contingent rather than being a Quaresmian ally. Um, and a few, it's worth also saying, a few lists have been relocated in list sets. So that, for example, um, the French uh, lists in Reconquista have been relocated to the Valois list set. Um, a couple of the Arab armies that fought in Spain have been added to the Reconquista set and removed from the Africa set. Um, there, are, there are other sort of minor changes, a bit too numerous to mention here. Yeah. That's <laughs> 2023 list sets. Can I can I just ask one quick question on clarification, Richard, um, to do yeah. with the the addition of shield wall to the sort of later Roman, early Byzantine? Because that, that came yeah. out as something I was involved with. Am I right? That that applies to the short spear interpretation. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, not 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 the impact weapon, which no. Can, is an option in the Imperial Roman list, yeah. Yeah, it, it applies to the ones with short spear, yes. So, exactly. yeah, just, just for the Imperial Roman list, because it can have both. So that becomes a an offensive or defensive option choice, really. Presumably all or none. Uh, it's, uh, it's generally a compulsory for the Byzantine lists. It's not an option. Okay, yeah. So they 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 will now have to take shield as a characteristic. Makes sense indeed. Okay, so I mean, you've <laughs> you've had a lot of hard work recently, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that that one's <laughs> that one's been building up over a period of time. But yes, it's I'll be um, um, glad when it's all done. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I mean, you 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 get my thanks. And then ready for the next year's. <laughs> ready, ready for the next slew of. Oh, have you thought about this? <laughs> yes. Well, that, those come up a day after I've just finalised the list. 
just to, just to frustrate me usually <laughs> would we do that to you yes of course you would <laughs> god he knows as well it's, it's in the diary it pops up on on january the first send richard a list suggestion <laughs> so anyway th thank you thank you very much for that richard obviously thank you for the hard work because it, it is a lot of hard work and certainly i think that, i think the changes like the index the numbers and indexing of the uh of the allies and whatever i think will be really really useful and and things like you know for, just from thinking the list checking i do having the notes under the relevant troop type because some of them are very can be very easily missed you know but, but no matter how many times you look at the rules i think the one i always miss is the limitation on the date integral archers in the early imperial roman least. <laughs> yeah I, I, i've certainly missed that more than once <laughs> So having it there more, in more plain view should help no end. OK, um, before we just before we go on to the history bit, just like to just touch on um, since we talk about next year about competitions. Um, we already have a healthy amount of competitions um, listed, arranged for next year. They're listed on the forum. Um, also, um, Robin Spence um, kindly operates a regular and ad hoc email mailing list, um, which repeats the, um, the details of upcoming comps, reminds you about the more recent one, sorry, the more soonest coming up. That was terrible English, wasn't it? The soonest coming up. <laughs> sure, the better way of doing it than that. Anyway, so if you're not on it and would like to, um, get in touch with Robin. You can certainly find him on Facebook or if you're on the WhatsApp group or even Put a message up on the forum and I'm sure he will add you to the list. Um, in specific comps, the tickets have literally today, well, the day we were recording this um, podcast anyway, gone on sale for Roll Call 2023. Um, mention that specifically because we are for the first time, I think, running a 28 millimeter Magna competition there. So chance for people to play with the big boys, Big toys, sorry, could be big boys. <laughs> well. Who knows? Or both. Your, your choice. Um, and I, I know quite a few people are already digging out armies that have been buried for a number of years because um, they haven't been used because we haven't had competitions for that. So looking forward to that. So if you're interested in that, get your list in. You know, if you're interested but don't have an army, maybe one of the people who are digging out their collections of 25 28 mil troops will have something to to lend to people again you know just just ask ask people on facebook the forum or wherever um i'm going to just badger richard one more time um partly because i know that today he has been playing a 28 mil magna game so if it just give us the if you just some bullet point points on what are the significant differences from the 15 mil Maximus games that most of us are used to. Richard, over to you again. Okay, so um, the main differences are, first of all, the unit group sizes are reduced. Uh, Mega Magna Army lists have the full details, but typically um, UG unit groups that are fours or sixes in the Maximus list will be fours in the uh, Magna list. Uh, if they're six or eights, they will become fours. And if they're six, eights or nines or bigger, they generally become fours or sixes. 
Um, elephants are usually in twos, uh, as are artillery. Um, I think that's that's a fair summary of the unit size changes. Um, the um, second big change is that all the terrain deployment um, is two thirds of the meg maximus size. So if you're playing in, with 28 mil on a six by four table, 180 centimeter by 120 centimeters, then you will find the terrain sizes um, because your base width in 28 millimeter will be 60 millimeters. The terrain sizes will be 40 millimeters, which happens to match the um, 15 millimeter game. Right. Uh, no, the, separate terrain. Yeah, so that applies to the terrain sizes, the distances you move terrain, and the width of the flank zone for deploying terrain. Um, the uh, as I mentioned, the base width uh, is obviously 60 millimeter in Magna. Um, the deployment area, however, remains the same. So you still have deploy six base widths from the center of the table, and you still have a five base width flank zone. Um, so your deployment area is somewhat constrained. Um, as um, uh, yes, so if you had something like 120 infantry bases in your army, you might struggle to fit it onto the table. <laughs> uh, Bloody impressive in 25. It would be <laughs> very impressive if you manage that. I don't know if a slave revolt could manage it, um, possibly. Um, yeah, the only other significant change is that skirmishers uh, will shoot at full effect with two ranks and a reduced effect with one rank, unlike the Maximus where skirmishers are on three and two. Um, the cab tests are reduced so that poor troops roll on a yellow, average troops on a green, superiors ex exceptionals, um, battle wagons and elephants would roll on a white dice. Um, the final one, I think, is that Pike in uh, only deploying three ranks rather than four because the unit size is six. Um, so um, the they get a plus one for having a third rank at impact in uh, Magna, whereas it would be a plus one fourth rank in Maximus. Uh, I think that's basically it. Other than that, it's the Maximus game you know and love. I, ha I hadn't um, spotted the cap test change, I must admit. I've been paying attention. That one is a strictly is is actually a rule change. Oh, right. Um, it's not in the it's it's a rule change we've introduced for Magna to moderate the effect of cab tests um, to make them not overly powerful. OK, I, I, I do remember you previously talking about it for Pacto. Yeah. But, um, for Pacto, we are also proposing to drop them one further colour. Oh, right. So go okay. down to green dice for poor, white dice for average, and blacks for superiors, exceptions, battle wagons and elephants. Okie dokie. That, that's useful to know. I think I will, I will then put something on the forum post about roll call just to highlight that, because I think that's one yeah. people, people might miss. 
but I can see the logic behind it because of the generally smaller units. Things could explode very, very quickly. Yeah, that's that's the logic behind it. What cool. what you do find, however, is the command distances are um, are that much greater in Magnus, so um, it's rarer to have units out of command distance. Yeah, because yeah. Oh, ten, ten base widths on a six. 60 centimetres is wider than 10 base widths on a 40 millimetre front <laughs> if you're playing with 15 millimetre yeah. maximus. Yeah, and with most units only being two wide rather yeah. than three, yeah, it will make a difference. I think, I think it's probably fair to say that um, uh, infantry will be more favoured in or, or punchy cavalry perhaps rather than the skirmishers just because there's less room to run away. In a, on a Maximus, on a Magna table. Yeah, but e equally shooting could be a bit more effective. because Shoot, Shooting like... can be more effective because um, units generally have a frontage of two and being smaller, the um, shooting dice are more powerful. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. No, but, that, yeah, when you roll double blank with green dice, it doesn't really make much odds. <laughs> blanks, blanks are blanks, regardless <laughs> yep. of the game, yeah. No, I, th I think it'd be nice nice that it's, it, it, will, it will play a little bit different from yeah. Maximus' game. Um, so You I'm might want to screen to... your infantry as well um, because of the powerful effect of shooting with skirmishers. Yeah. No, you I might see it... a few more skirmishers. Yeah. No, I think it's good because it means you, you, you're not just going to be replicating what you're doing in 15 mil so as as different army choices anyway again thank you richard for for that it's been incredibly useful um but moving on matt your hour cometh <laughs> you're going to take us through some korean history and no doubt we are all going to have a little lesson and maybe struggle with some pronunciation because we usually do when <laughs> especially when we move to the far east so so i'll, I'll thank you in advance for taking this on because the pronunciation is something that i just know we can just make fools of ourselves with so over to you matt thank you and, and you know i am so good at pronouncing pronouncing words you know it's, it's not like i you know, that that skirmishing with the africans no no Spanish, <laughs> the, the, the Spanish skirmishing formation. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you know, um, yes, I, I, I've spelled them all out phonetically. So I'm hoping that I won't embarrass myself too badly with this. Anyway, <laughs> here we are. So Korea. Uh, but, uh, so talking about Korean history is pretty much like talking about Italian history. The core geography is about the same, but everything else changes. That there is no consistency whatsoever. So I'm going to start by completely glossing over everything before about 50 BCE. I mean, before then, it, it's really interesting. It's a huge mess of politics, civil war, invasions, name changes, migrations, not to mention much of the mythology and myth that go into making it all. But it doesn't make much sense in a historical point of view. So I'm not going to dwell on it. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from what emerged from this cauldron, and, and that's the Three Kingdom period. As you will note, it's identically named to the Three Kingdom period in Chinese history. That's because we like to confuse everybody. 
that, that, that's the way it went. Now, the Chinese and the Koreans, funnily enough, actually ended up calling it the Sam Han period, which is what they used in their sources to describe the Three Kingdoms of Korea. Now, the Three Kingdoms of Korea at this point are... Right, here we go. There is the Gogo Ayo kingdom. The the <laughs> I've got to be very careful with this one. It, it sounds like beach, but it's technically pronounced biatch. <laughs> as you can, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That was I, that I, was I, about to create a laugh, so I just provo- yeah, okay, yeah, so I, yeah. I fell into that one immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid that is exactly how it's pronounced. And, and the last one is the Shila. Um, the for, for the Meg references, these are the three main Korean armies out of the Three Kingdoms book. In order of likely founding, and also the eventual winner in this original Squid Game, we have the Shila. Um, they appeared as a small city-state around 50 BCE and were centered in the lower southeast of the Korean peninsula. Its immediate rival, the, the Biash, centered in the southwest. Uh, the the Gogoryo were north and stretched into Manchuria. Now, the Shila at this point were not a notable player in the region until ooh, well into the 4th century. Uh, they they were one of these slow-climbing, like Rome in the early days, they, they, they just developed pretty much on their own, in isolation, picked off their neighbours, slowly built up. But by the 4th century AD, uh, the CE, um, the Jim clan were able to establish a hereditary monarchy which they would manage to stay in power for about 500 years. This slow build was almost stopped in its tract by an invasion by the Western neighbor, the, the Biash Kingdom, and their Japanese allies, which for, from about the 4th to the 6th century, the, the Japanese are quite heavily involved in, not necessarily the military side, but the politics side in Korea. They, they, they played all three kingdoms off against each other, but the, the, the Biash were the ones they mostly dealt with. There was a lot of culture exchange and the Japanese supplied military equipment. Anyway, right. This particular conflict forced the Shila into an alliance with a much more formidable northern neighbor, the, the, the Gogoryo. Um, and the end result was the Shila were able to successfully withstand the Biash attacks, but were forced into a subordinate relation with the, the, the Gogoryo. Um, within 30 years, they managed to extract themselves from the subordinate uh, relationship by allying with their old enemies, the Biash, and by cultivating alliances with China. Do what you need to do to, to stay alive, basically. The, the, the alliance of the two smaller states kept um, the Manchurian-centric northern Gogoryo stable. When we talk about the military side of the, the armies, you, 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 there's quite a disparity in sizes. But anyway, sorry. But then what happens is a, a fairly new-minted uh, Shila monarch named Jin Hong he 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 came to the throne as a baby. His his mother regented for was the regent. Um, almost as soon as he came to power, much much like others in history, he he, he basically yeah, escorted his mother to the nearest monastery and said, "You know, stay there, love. You know, I'll take it over now. You know, please, <laughs> please, please please don't visit again unless I ask you to." So, uh, what he did on on arrival was he he immediately overhauled and reorganized the military, and within a decade of these reforms, with their with with, with their allies the, 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 in the Biash kingdom, they launched a very effective campaign against the Gogoryo and wrestled control of the strategically important Han River estuary from them. Now, um, in terms of geography of Korea, the Han estuary is basically where Seoul sits, the modern day Seoul, that is. And it, it basically cuts a dividing line in this period. They end up controlling 
the only route between the other two kingdoms because of this attack. Um, so ha ha having grabbed this valley, uh, in a ruthless stroke of genius, Jin Hung promptly breaks his alliance with the Biash, allies with the Goguryeo, ambushes and destroys the main um, Biash main army, assassinates their king, and he manages to establish complete control over this valley. His narrow ally, the Goguryeo, who, uh, who had originally owned it, let them. Didn't seem to ruffle any feathers. Now, I'm assuming, presumably, the magnitude of the defeat they'd handed to the Biash was regarded as a fair exchange. For the, for, for the land territories. Um, uh, Zheng Hong, having, having effectively created this new military um, aristocracy and, and reforms of the military, he dies in 576, leaving a greatly expanded kingdom. Uh, part, part of his reforms is he's created a new military, <clears throat> excuse me, a new military elite, um, almost a social order in the Horangong, which would eventually play a significant role in their continued rise. With their, with their neighbors, the, the Biash weakened, and the, weakened. their main rival of Korean dominance remains the Gogoryo. His successors tried to counter them by uh, formulating relationships with China. Uh, they attempted to form a mutual alliance with what was currently the, the, the Tang regime. As always seems to be the way these things go, whilst focusing on the Gogoryo, the Biash emerged as a threat under a new leader, and in 642, they launched a series of successful attacks, seizing various fortifications along the borders. The same year saw the murder of the king of the Gogoryo in a coup. Um, the, the, the newly minted supreme dictator promptly allies with the Biash to balance out the Tang-Shila alliance. The Tang being the Tang take the murder of the old king as a suitable pretext, and they launch an invasion in 645, which lasts some three, three years before they were repulsed out of the territory with heavy losses. Uh, it included the siege on the capital where they built, very Roman style, they built a massive siege mound. What they didn't think, didn't expect was that the defenders actually launched a counter raid, took it, fortified it, and wouldn't let them back up it. <laughs> they, they couldn't take it. Apparently, it, 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 it was months of furious fighting trying to take this mound back, and they never got anywhere. So in the end, a heavy winter set in, and they had to retreat. Um, so what you ended up seeing was from 648 for another five years to 653, uh, they were just border skirmishes, nothing significant happened in either way. Um, the, the, the Biash received military aid from the Japanese in 653, and this increased the pr pressure on the Shila, but they couldn't break past the Han Valley, which um, separated them from um, linking up with their allies, the Gogoryo. Um, another Tang attack on the Gogoryo was repulsed in 658, um, so a change in tactics was required because they were just getting nowhere. Um, and at the urging of the Shila, Tang troops joined in the joint attack on the Biash, which saw all organized resistance very quickly crushed. The king was surrendered, the area was subjugated. And um, what, what occurred was the Tang, cook, Tang took complete control of the, the Biash kingdom. Now, that presumably was not much to the delight of the Shila allies who had actually been doing much of the fighting on the, on the southern flank. Um, but before anything could emerge from this disquiet, there was a brief revolt with Japanese support by uh, Biash loyalists, uh, which saw a significant sea battle between the Tang and the Japanese, or which the Japanese lost. There was also a, a land battle at a place called Piagang, which basically ended Biash independence once and for all, sending the remnants of the loyalist forces fleeing north to the Gogoryo. 
So there you have it. The, the, the southern Korea had been secured, although it was in Tang control. Uh, 461, Tang invades the Gogoryo with Shila logistical support, but no troops. It was purely a Tang-led uh, invasion force. Um, much to their uh, disquiet, one field army immediately gets crushed. The siege on the capital is broken due to, again, extremely poor weather conditions, and the Tang are forced to withdraw. Um, this leaves another five years of skirmishing, not much going on, whilst the Tang rebuilt their forces, dealt with a couple of revolts elsewhere in the country. Um, and what you do see, though, is in 466, the, the supreme dictator of the Gogoryo dies. Natural death just falls over dead. And again, as usually happens in history, his sons started increasingly violent disputes about who should take over. Um, the end result is one defects to the Tang, another one defects to the Shila, and uh, the Tang fairly obviously uses it as an opportunity for an invasion. In 668, the capital falls and uh, the Gogoryo are finally defeated. It's done and dusted. The war is at an end. 669, the following year, Tang establishes prefectures to run all captured territories, excludes the Shila from everything. So the, the, the instigator of all this, the Shila, have left, been left with nothing. Then the Tang starts suggesting to the Shila that, well, maybe you should become a protectorate of Tang, you know, China, you know, let us do all the heavy lifting. Eh, the Shila don't take that particularly well. And in 670, uh, they rally the old loyalist remnants of the, uh, of the Bijar and the, the Gogurayu and start a war to regain Korean territory. And this is the first time it becomes Korean territory. It's Korea. It is a single unity. That's what they're after. Uh, it lasts six years, and it sees the Tang actually pushed out of much of Korea. They, they reach the river Taidong in the north, and that basically becomes the stabilizing line. All south of the river becomes Shila. All north belongs to Tang, or what actually becomes an emerging successor state to the old Gogoryo called the Balhai, who remain frenemies, for a better word, to both the Shila and the Tang. They, they, they play each other off quite well. Um, and sometimes they're allies to Tang, and, and you find that represented in Meg, they're actually allies, I think, to both. But anyway, so Korea stabilizes under the Shila as a unified whole, and it remains that way till about the late 1890s, where it briefly disintegrates into what is called, um, imaginatively, the later Three Kingdom period. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going for the 90s oh, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that lasts less than 50 years, uh, and it actually gets uh, reunified quite quickly under the uh, Goriho kingdom, which is where you, we get the, the, the anglicized name Korea. Um, and that would in turn morph into the, the Yozun Korean period in the late 14th century after a somewhat wise, unwise attack on the Ming Chinese by the Goryeo dynasty led to a, a, a very brief um, power struggle and they, and they got taken over. Uh, and, and that's where I'm going to stop with the history because now, now we're pretty much pushing um, um, the, the, the Goryeo the Gorai period would see the Mongols and Yuzum Korean would actually push us into the Renaissance and the Mongol period itself is so vast. I'm not going to go there. So if we stop there, but from the history point of view, but in terms of the military, I just want to quickly touch on them. Um, 
in terms of military finesse, there are common elements across the three kingdoms, not surprisingly, given they spent much of their time fighting each other, you know, you, you're likely to develop similar military systems. What you've got are foot troops uh, where present, which were your usual polearm, long spear, anti-cavalry formations, which were either mixed with archers or crossbows or alongside similar, you know, blocked out as individual units or, or mixed in as a, a cohesive whole. Um, it's worth noting that the Shilar apparently manufactured exceptionally superior crossbows, much sought after by the Tang. The list itself doesn't allow you to take Shilar crossbowmen. So something I might do some digging in to see how prevalent it was or whether it was just the export market, which I suppose is possible. Um, but it is noted in some of the sources that their crossbows mm -hmm. were very effective, thousand pace range and you know, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, the... Um... The absence of crossbows from the lists is something that is being looked at. Um, the certainly Korean crossbows were believed to by the Tang to have a better range and be more durable. That yeah. seems to be the uh, um, um, and that may be due to better um, um, manufacture of the. Um, uh, stocks and the um, uh, bow itself um, by the Koreans. Interesting. OK, uh, excellent. Well, there you go. It's al it's already in the pipeline. I've been I've been gazumped. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to find something else for that first of January. Yes. <laughs> Mail to Richard. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'm sure I'll find something. Um, uh, the difference here. <laughs> So, so the foot were broadly similar across the armies. Um, Shila, for example, towards the later period, they ended up with something called Nine Legions, which was a, a mixture of refugee status troops, I guess, that have fled from the other kingdoms, and they created these Nine Legions, but they also had garrison troops, royal troops, and militia, and they were very, very structured. Um, you, you find the, the big Biash infantry were much um, less well regarded, I guess. Uh, that, the, that kingdom never seemed to develop quite the disciplined military status of the other two, in that um, all, all, all sources talk about it was very ad hoc. They had royal and garrison troops, but nowhere near the command structure and, and the levy systems that you saw in the other two. But uh, I'm digressing slightly, but so. Um, but where the differences in the three kingdoms seems more apparent is in their mounted formations. The Gogurai, with their significant presence in Manchuria, for example, not only had access to many nomadic vassals and allies, they also seem to have readily adopted the more cataphract-style panoply of such as well. They, they they were much more noted that style of warfare, which I'm not surprised, considering a lot of the, like the, the Shin and the uh, Kitan Lao for areas up there that they had dealings with uh, before and after. So, not unexpected. Um, there is some evidence that the other two kingdoms had similar units, but nowhere near the quantity of their northern neighbours. Whether that's sheer numbers, cost, or maybe the type of horses needed, who knows? But they they, they did have some, but not many. Um, <clears throat> the, the Biash and Shila seem to have had a noble tradition of, certainly for the Shila, of faster, more lightly armoured horse archers. Uh, the Biash had Lancer, long spear. I mean, the, the, the list categorizes the nobles as long spear, which is probably fair, but they might have been charging lances that I, I haven't found anything when I was reading that, that fully described their, their their combat tactic, whether it was a devastating charge or or, or more 
uh, what's the um, fencing style of combat anyway so but the Shila also focused uh, a lot of their horse archer um, I was going to say issues but that's the wrong type of word to use there that 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 their interest in that on the the Horang warrior class which was um, essentially an almost chivalric chivalric Noble, thank you. Order. I knew I was going to stumble over something, but I wasn't expecting that one. And also an officer cadet school, almost. A lot of their generals and senior leadership would come out of that particular um, uh, unit classification. um, But you get the Gogurai, they're described as highly militaristic in outlook with significant military resources, clearly, because they were adequate to beat quite substantially large Tang armies in the field. Interesting, though, they were also seemingly incapable of handling their two very small siblings for any length of time. There's a suggestion, perhaps, that the terrain and the weather as much as anything prevented outright victory. The holding of the Han Valley by the Shila is attributed as the main reason why the Biash and Gogurai alliance was unable to finish them. It took the collapse of the central authority for the Gogurai to fall, and even the ten, even then the Tang only managed that with significant logistical support from the Shila which when that was removed, prevented the Tang holding much of their gains when the Alliance went south. So, yeah. I think it's wor- it is also yeah. worth noting that the Gogoraio were uh, controlling large areas of Manchuria, um, what we would consider to be modern China rather than modern Korea. Um, so the, the they had a huge area to try and defend from nomadic tribes to the north, which probably um, dented how much resource they could actually focus towards the south, which is very different terrain from Manchuria. Uh, Yeah, yeah, totally. When you look at the map, their positioning is they're almost like a slither of Korea, as you say, and then this massive swathe that goes up north into Manchuria and into the, what, what, as you say, is classically China. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. They had so many areas that they needed to be defending that they could probably never consistently spend enough time in the field to actually beat the snot out of their um, <laughs> southern um, ally, um, southern partners, so to speak. So anyway, that that, that, that was the that was the brief um, rapid gallop through about 800 years worth of Korean history. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty impressive gallop there, and uh, and uh, some pretty consistent pronunciation, Matt. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, phonetic alphabets—the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the podcasts I mean, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, I've, I I might be wrong, but I, I have had the impression that in terms of sort of transliteration into into english characters there's less there's less of a of a consistent approach to korean unlike you know with chinese we, we used to have wade giles and now we use pinyin generally there always seems to be more variety with korean that there are four attributable ways to pronounce things depending on which one you look at now i cheated and i went to youtube <laughs> and then i basically googled korean how do you pronounce? Uh, and there are oddly a fairly large section in 
in, in, in YouTube for Korean pronunciations. And from that, I then phonetically spelled, you know, you know, B-E-E-A-A-A-C-H or whatever, you know, so, um, yes, it was, it was the cl closest way I could go. So that's what I did. It sounds incredibly sensible to me. <laughs> and, and I must admit, I, I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't sure what they were going to be, but, um, yeah, I think I knew Sheila for some reason because I've seen see, seen it spelled S H yeah. at the beginning, and that's the one sort of if you like closest to how we read it in English. So, okay, well, on to army lists, I guess. Shall I go first? Definitely give you a break, Matt. After that, so thank you very much for that. And I, I have come up with it's it's. It's an army I've used. I don't have proper figures for it. It's one I've, I've knocked together um, before now, which is the Biash Korean. Is that right? Well, close enough. That's what I'd go with. <laughs> yes, so we'll, we'll go with that, which is nothing like how I would pronounce it. Because <laughs> I'd have just gone from the, the spelling, which would be something like Bakejir or something, you know, but Biash. We'll go with that. So... I've gone for a version of this that has a Japanese ally. Um, and I think you mentioned in your history bit that the Japanese were involved with the Biash kingdom and fought alongside them and vice versa at the end. So I've, I've gone, gone for that combination. Um, the, the army I've come up with, it has the, the Korean part of it has three competent professional generals. Um, the Japanese ally is competent instinctive. Get with that. So the and the camp is unfortified. It comes out with seven PBS cards and three scouting, which is sort of middling, I suppose, sort of average. Anyway, the troops I've got are a six base unit of guard cavalry who are formed close, superior, <coughs> excuse me, superior. Armoured horse, fully armoured, long spear, shove. So that's the, the cataphract style cavalry that you mentioned earlier. Um, a six base unit of nomad cavalry, formed flexible, average, protected, experienced bow, short spear, melee expert. So a good, useful, multi-use, multi-purpose unit there. A unit of noble cavalry. Um, now these are split differently between the front rank and the rear rank. The, they're all formed loose cavalry and protected with long spear. The front rank is superior. The rear rank is average. So that's a unit of six, so three bases of each. Two units of what are called provincial spearmen in the list, formed flexible infantry, average protected polearm. They're pretty good all-round troops, and polearm is very useful against cavalry, and cavalry are something of a thing in these armies. Um, a compulsory unit of militia, who are tribal, flexible, poor, unprotected pole arm, and eight bases of those. Uh, I think they're they're a bit ah yes. Well, you've got to have eight of them. So well, you just have to live with them, don't you? Um, got one unit of scouting light cavalry, cavalry skirmisher, average unprotected, experienced bow, Cantabrian combat shy, and a six base unit of skirmishing archers, infantry. Skirmisher, average, unprotected experience, bow, combat, shy. So they had a bit more shooting capacity and, of course, the Cantabrian 
can be more effective. The Japanese ally, which I, I quite like, I think it's a bit, bit different. It's just three units. Um, one is Yugai Guard. These are, these are quite nice. I really like these. Infantry, formed loose, superior protected, experienced bow, melee expert, pervice. An eight base unit of those. A six base unit spearman, infantry formed loose, average protected short spear shield cover. And then an eight base unit of archers who are like the guard, but they're average. So they're infantry formed loose, average protected, experienced both pervice, so not melee expert as, as well. So that's it. It's it's not an overly massive army. It's it certainly doesn't fill the table. You you want to uh, you probably want to narrow it somewhere along the line because it, it's it's not got vast amounts of um, cavalry that might run around in open spaces. But it's got a number of units that I think if you can coordinate them are quite good. But it, it I, I would confess that it runs a risk of getting uncoordinated. Um, the those Japanese guard infantry, the superior melee expert with police can be really, really tough, um, especially if they're, you know, they're loose and sitting in terrain. They'll take, they'll take some shifting. But because they are superior, they're, they're, not, they're not completely useless in the open either. Um, what's the, sorry, what's the, can you remind me what the Pavise rule is? I can't remember what the... Um... Pavise means if, you, if you're shot at, you your armour goes up one grade. So instead of being protected, they would count as uh, fully armoured. And... If if they are charged by infantry, other than dev charges, if I remember rightly, they get a a charge phase. I think that changed, but I'd need to check it. Yeah, I think so, it's now if they're charged by any infantry. But oh right, so so yeah, it's plus one is it in the? Charge it's plus phase. one against infantry. It's of no use against cavalry who just just knock it over because they're basically they're large standing shields <laughs> propped up. Um, so. It's a nice, nice centre point, though, isn't it? Because I mean, even even cavalry is still charging superior bowmen. It's not not going to be a happy experience necessarily if you can't get in. It, it's, it's potentially, yeah. I mean, good cavalry or cataphracts will probably just run straight over them. Well, it, it you know, good cataphracts. cataphracts will run over anything, quite frankly. Oh, you mean, might, yes. So you know, <laughs> in, in terms of you know the the army as a whole, yeah. that um, that Japanese contingent is, I think, it's pretty, it's pretty useful and certainly certainly pretty useful in terrain. Um, and so the guard could be a bit of a nasty shock to somebody, you know, superior, as I said, superior melee expert, experienced bow. Um, the, I think I think it's got the potential of being underestimated. Um, and the the Korean part of it, the Bacher part of it, you know, the guard cavalry, superior cataphracts. OK, like a lot of Eastern cataphracts, they don't have the dev charge. But, you know, I've, I've, I've used... Eastern cataphracts recently, and I quite like them not having dev charge. You know, you don't have that forced charge at three base widths. And then, you know, they've got cavalry superior, long spear. You know, if, if in two ranks, the long spear can cancel out melee expert. So mounted melee experts, that's useful. Couple them with the, the noble cavalry. I think you've got a, a useful striking force. And the, and the nobles, I say the nobles and the nomads can support them quite well. Doesn't have a massive punch. Which is why I say I think it's one of those armies you have to work to to find the right point to insert your shock troops. So 
anyway, that's my that's my offering, as we always say. And equally over to you to give me your thoughts and give the listeners your thoughts. It, 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 I don't know. It's got that feeling of it to be a really nice grotty terrain army where you can narrow the table because you, you've got all your foot of very nice terrain troops. All right, no, you don't want to face Warband with it, but who does? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can direct, and you've got the bows for, you know, uh, reach out and touch somebody. And then you can work your guard, you can work your cavalry into the spot where you want to go and upset somebody. Mm, I like it. So... Yeah, as I said, I have, I've used it by, by dummying up the figures. It, it it sort of feels a couple of units too small to me. I, I, I yeah, I mean, I looked at this this, this earlier. I mean, though those long spear superior cavalry of the, the, that Arabic feel that we mm. discussed them before. I mean, I think you can get two units of them. You can, and I, I'd almost be tempted. I think my preference would be to try and get two of those in, but. I think the points would be rather tight on that front. Uh, but you, you could just have a, have another unit if you drop the nomad cavalry, or you might be able to wangle it instead of one of the, the provincial spearmen pole arm units. Yeah, because you're and, playing and what... something else somewhere, <clears throat> or maybe even drop a general down, have eleven cards instead of twelve. Well, that's without even putting it on the table. So I may be talking out of my um, yeah, my my. my korean peninsula on that one <laughs> uh, all, all i'm fairly sure is i wouldn't want to face it with the army i've selected <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't oh, no. <laughs> um which might be a good time to share my army yeah oh, yeah if you want i was, I was just going to say my, my experience recently using it was the um it was the shian kingdoms the 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 version that can have the chained archers um, I found it had one unit of cataphracts, just like this army, and that unit was an absolute star. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was regularly taking on two opposing units of, say, the average protected type troops and and, and, and doing for them. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I'm well, I, I really like those. In fact, recently, yeah, this is an aside. Actually, recently, it's been a bit of a cataphract meta, hasn't there? But we've seen a lot of cataphracts recently. Mister yeah, Haywood being one of the users. I, yeah. I never left cataphracts. I have an unhealthy obsession with heavy metal. Apparently, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, well, Richard, over to you. Your your army then. <laughs> okay, so I I went something a bit different. I went with the bell high. Korean. Okay. It's probably not how you pronounce it, but uh, um, so I had uh, an army with, so this is from the Tang China list, worth saying, uh, about 700 CE. Uh, it comes with a Tang ally, um, which is a Tang China Northern army. Um, so three commanders, I went for two competents and a mediocre to command the Korean element and a competent ally for the Tang uh, component. It comes uh, with 11 uh, tugs and one sug. Um, the 
Korean element consists of Manchurian cavalry, uh, one of which is formed loose average protected experience bow short sphere. That's dropping it from superior. And one is superior protected unskilled bow short spear melee expert. Um, and there's a theme in this army that I went for the unskilled bow, dropping them from experience to unskilled to make it an army that was more focused on fighting than uh, shooting, because I didn't think it would have enough shooting um, capability to stand up. So along with the Manchurian cavalry, I've got two units of nomadic cavalry. These are form flexible average protected. I've gone unskilled bow, short spear, melee expert. So um, yeah, potential for them to be a flank march, um, being flexible um, with protection, short spear and melee expert. They could provide a nasty shock on the wing was the uh, sort of idea with those. Mm -hmm. um, Korean nobles um, with retainers. So uh, two units of these, again, sixes, Form the front ranks of form loose average protected charging lance and melee expert, with the rear ranks being average unprotected just melee expert. Um, Interesting. So, and a bit different, um, and quite a lot of punch, but not too much stamina, I would suggest, with those. Um, along with a compulsory unit of levy spearmen who are tribal <laughs> flexible, poor protected short spear. So I'm trying to find somewhere for them to hide, along with the levy archers who are tribal loose, poor, unprotected, experienced bow combat shy. Um, so they're potentially just victims, but at 208 points, they boost the tug count up to 11. Um, and along with that, uh, a unit of scout cavalry who are skirmish average, unprotected, experienced bow, combat, shy, Cantabrian. Um, the ally itself is three units of tank cavalry who are all sixes of form loose, average, protected, unskilled bow, short spear, melee expert. So the army comes with basically um, 36 elements of cavalry who are short spear melee expert with bow um 30 of them average six superior um so a lot of potential for um fighting and then breaking off or if, if you don't want to get into the fight in the first place evading with your unskilled bow um yeah PBS of eight, scouting of five, which is very healthy. Very nice. um, yeah, um, all, all great unless you're fighting long spear armed cavalry <laughs> and whole arm armed infantry. <laughs> <laughs> and and arch, superior archers with medics, but sitting behind for theses. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're suggesting that purely by chance I've come up with an army that. <laughs> It's good against yours. Uh, Surely not. Yes. Yeah, I have to say, I'm not sure what to make of this. Because of all interesting I, choices. I have to confess, I've never tried it and I have no idea what it might achieve or not. Yeah. It's with, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm 
sort of instinctively not, not happy with the downgrading of all those horse archers, but I can see where you're coming from. You've turned it into a fighty, not a shooty army in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a fair size. You've got a lot of sixes of cavalry there who can fight. They've all got melee experts. Yeah, uh, I think it's 14, 48 elements of man expert cavalry there. Yeah. Either with short spear or charging lance. Mm. And those those mixed units are definitely interesting. But I, I, I would agree with you, you know, it could be good on a good impact, probably not great in a prolonged melee. If anybody gets through to the unprotected average, that said, they've still got melee experts, so they're not, you know, they're not, they're not hopeless. Yeah, um, yeah, Matt, you're you're usually you've got better ideas on these weird armies than me. <laughs> it, well, it certainly fits in my niche of liking bizarre cavalry armies. I'll give you that. Mm. I, I I've got the feeling it actually might be not a bad. Depends on the competition, but I'm thinking. Um, um, those lancers, as you say, they offer an interesting glass hammer, mm. but they can also get out of the way reasonably. I mean, you can you can pull them out fairly easy. Professional generals, and actually, they're, they're a block of cavalry that you don't mind if they stick. The melee experts not going. I mean, all right, you face a Roman with it, you're not going to have a much of a good day. But if you're fighting a lot of drossy foot, where people are having to expand out to cover 42 bases worth of cavalry yeah. <laughs> you know um and uh, and as richard said those nomads can flank march i'd have to try it but i actually don't you know i'm, I'm yeah i quite like that so there's a definite different choice. as you say you wouldn't want to go anywhere near a bow armed army with it frankly you wouldn't want to face something like your richard's tang chinese for example that would just be a yeah, that'd hurt. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the 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 early Northern song I used at Ice and Fire earlier this year. I'd quite, I'd, I'd love to fight this with it. Hmm. All, all the crossbows, but yeah, it's it's yeah. it, it's it would definitely surprise somebody. And you know, because it, it is a lot of truth. You know, those you look at those Tang cavalry and the you know 127 points of base is nothing for a, a reasonably competent fighty. Cavalry unit that can run away if it, you know, it's not forced to charge. It can, yeah. There's something there. Yeah, I, I, I think you, if you were facing it, you'd have to be very careful on your flanks because there's know. enough, enough to pin you about the front and enough to get around your sides. And suddenly, you know, once they're in, melee is actually worse for you than the charge phase almost because the melee is, expert, is. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, def definitely. Yes, yeah. I'm just just wondering if it's a little light in command because it's going to want to manoeuvre a lot. And they are formed as well. If they were drilled, it'd be a different. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, that it's, might be valid. Yeah, although, although obviously, you know, your two levy units, you're not going to do that much with. Yeah, you've got one card per unit basically. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, you you need, yeah. You need good cards. Yeah, I think just it, if you get a whole string of black cards, you're going to be struggling. Yeah, well, I mean, most armies are. 
<laughs> but I, th I think just in this one where you might just well, this, this one perhaps more than most yeah it's um i think it, it really do, yes although it's, it's one of those that you it's almost you wouldn't want to lose a unit to get you the extra command <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely at that point yeah mm. um yeah i mean i had to compromise on something yeah it's uh yeah no the file under interesting but it's, it's definitely one worth putting on the table at some time i would think just to see how it does work yeah, I, I, yeah i'll mention as a list i mean you having a tang chinese ally gives you various interesting options because mm. you can equally do a Baohai with some quite strong uh, infantry um and go very light on the cavalry this this was the opposite this was a strong cavalry light yeah. on the infantry option yeah because the infantry is optional isn't it well my, yeah. i presume it must be otherwise this list would be it, it is <laughs> completely illegal take any of it yes that's that's the thing there's a special note on the tang that mm. you're not obliged to take the infantry if you don't take any of it at all yeah in some so, ways, I think I, I prefer the idea of taking just the cavalry, actually, because if you replace those with infantry units, I think uh, the, 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 tang well, the tang infantry is nice, but I think there is something really nice about the fact this is just a big, massive, swirly mass of cavalry. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a different army, but if you there is the option to go with tang infantry and then add the Korean infantry into it to make it a quite a strong infantry. Oh, well, so you, yeah, so you may go, go. Yeah, I, go. I certainly wouldn't just take the Tang infantry option. Yeah. I would go what? with the Korean infantry option as well. Now you're okay. going to ask me what is the option? I'll sort of assume they can have some reasonable infantry. <laughs> yes, it's similar to the Tang infantry, but without the melee expert. Oh, OK, yes. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, it's a very intriguing army, that, Richard. Very intriguing army. As, as I've recently bought a ticket for Fire and Ice, I'm desperately not going to look at it any further because then I'll <laughs> completely change my mind about what I was going to yeah, take. No, no, it's, it's, you know, yeah, Ice and Fire, yes. Actually, bit... Ice and Fire, sorry, yes. I don't know why it's... I got it wrong. Around. Actually, a lot of people, I don't know, is it is, was the, the book, the first book of the Game of Thrones one, Song of Ice, was it Song of Fire and Ice or Song of Ice and Fire? Song, Song of Ice and Fire, I think. Oh, so it is Ice and Fire. I had wondered whether it was the other way around and that's what people were picking up on. Because I've seen Fire and Ice mentioned a lot, but we all know what it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. Actually, we're not that far off of having to choose our armies for that, are we? Well, no, particularly as I've just bought, as I say, I, I, a ticket became spare and I hadn't bought one. Now I have, and now they're going, oh, God, what do I run? Oh, <laughs> no, because you've got another last-minute entry, so you're going to win it again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Not with my choices, usually. But, uh, <laughs> so, only yeah. if I design the list two hours, but it has to be in, I think. It's probably the only way I'd get that to work. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't have a chance to think about it that's right very, very good army choice strategy yeah. what, what was it about two hours and you just picked a box up that you the, the, almost the lightest army you could take yeah it, it, it was literally the first thing that was legal and valid that could be run in period and it was the it was the sassanid persians well it was, it was a load of cataracts and um, 
Well, well, actually, it was a load of cataphracts. Let's leave it at that. That was yeah, yes. what it was. <laughs> right. Which let us segue into your army now. And have you gone with a load of cataphracts? Actually, not that many. Oddly, so I could take a load of cataphracts, but um, right, right. So I've gone with the the, the Gogorio kingdom now. Um, fair dues. This list is actually illegal. Um, uh, I'll explain. <laughs> I will explain why when 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 I get to it. But uh, yes, the initial draft was illegal. So um, so this is out of the three kingdoms running an ally that um, from from the 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 one Nick Nick just ran the the, oh, the, the, the talented professional general and two mediocre instinctive generals are the main core of the list. Now, I did this with the Sassanid Persians, oddly, at Warfare. People looked at me a bit peculiar, said, well, why are you paying for a talented professional general and then two instinctive generals? It's a fair question. I lose some of the benefit in not being able to card swap, but it means my PBS is now eight, adds a slight chunk to my um, scouting, Um extended command and control at least for the army commander's command and i can still pay double cards to move any other army unit that's not in his command that's not the ally so yeah. th th there are still some benefits to doing it that way the talented professional it, it's the pbs of eight which is because uh, much like the Sassanids, i think you need to control the train a bit with this army because otherwise you, you you're going to have problems either because of size or or, or um or, or whatever nastiness other people do to you. Anyway, so then then there is a talented instinctive ally general from the from from the Biash. So the main army is the the Sombai cavalry, which are effectively the guard cavalry for the army. Now they can be cataphracts, but I've chosen chosen to take them as formed loose, superior, protected, experienced bow. Short spear, melee expert, block of six. So, quite nice um, guard cavalry. Then there are what are classed as other cataphracts. I'm assuming they're only other cataphracts if you upgrade the guard. Otherwise, they're just cataphracts. <laughs> <laughs> They've got nothing to compare themselves to. But anyway, sorry. There's a cavalry formed close, average, armored horse, fully armored, long spear, shove, block of six. You've then got something called the Malgal Cavalry, which are formed, flexible, average, unprotected, experienced bow, melee expert. It's block of six. Now, th this is the slightly legal bit. Uh, I have two blocks of armoured spearmen, which are six armoured spearmen, formed, flexible, average, protected, long spear. They then have attached to them two armoured swordsmen, Infantry formed, flexible, average protected, melee expert. So it's six long spear and two swordsmen with melee expert to form a single unit of eight. So there's two blocks of eight. Now, the way the list is written, you actually are replacing the spearmen with swordsmen. Now, the list has a maximum of 12 spearmen. So I effectively could only have a single unit of eight from, from, from the size that I, I, I've got. They're not being added. Um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not added; they're replacing. So, okay, yeah. but what the list does have is it has also has an armored polearm, which has the same allowance, and you can have up to twelve of the armored polearm. So, to make the list legal, it would be one block of armored spearmen, one block of armored polearms, each with two melee expert swordsmen, making them two blocks of eight. 
So okay. that, that makes the list legal. And I think there's a point difference in them <laughs> either way. So, you know, per, per, per um, base. So it makes little odds. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the first five units. The units six and seven are much like Richard's list. You have to have militia fighter and militia archers, which are infantry, tribal flexible, poor, unprotected pole arm. And the archers are tribal, loose, poor, unprotected, experienced bow, combat shine, two blocks of eight, which are the minimums. So that takes you to seven. You, you've then got the Biash ally. So I've taken the guard cavalry. Again, these have the option to be cataracts, but I've taken them again as formed loose, superior, protected, experienced bow, short spear, melee expert, block of six. I've then taken the noble cavalry and the rear rank followers, which are the formed loose, superior, protected, long spear, three. Back rank is formed loose, average, protected, long spear. Now I've made them combat shy, which Nick didn't do block of three so it makes it a unit of six but the back rank are combat shy so if you get through to the combat uh, if you get through to the back rank you know, the, it's, the unit's knackered but anyway uh and then the list has provincial spearmen compulsory which are infantry form flexible average protected polearm block six militia fighters infantry tribal flexible poor unprotected polearm block six and then i've taken some scout cavalry which are combat shy with canterbury Yes, no, maybe <laughs> experienced bow, but I've the downgraded Spanish shooty formation. I keep trying to say yes, I should just go with Spanish shooty formation. Um, I've downgraded them to poor, which is not ideal, but it gets me the upgrade to the skilled dice for them shooting, which I, I think is a fair trade. I'm not expecting them to be in a, a main shooty combat line. They're there to just hang around on the side of the superior cavalry. So there you go. It's it, it's eleven tugs one. Skirmishing sug gives you 12 ugs for deployment. Four, eight, four on the scouting. I'd have preferred higher scouting, but the PBS of eight, I think, slightly mitigates that. In that, I'll have at least two cards that I can choose out of the main block. My thoughts on it were the armored spearmen and the armored pole arms would form the, the anvil almost with the cataphracts. Either they're all in one line or the cataphracts behind them. Uh, the provincial spearmen. From the ally are a useful terrain holder. I'm not looking to fight with those because I only want to use the cavalry, really. It does have three militia units that I have to protect, and it's an unfortified camp, which is not great, but I guess if you spread them across the back of the line, you're not going to lose them all quickly. Um, plus the fact they have to fight through your army to get to it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the ethos was basically the two blocks of superior, or three blocks of superior cavalry work a flank. Where, where you've got a fairly solid central core that I think the combination of cataphracts, pole arms and long spears means it's not particularly tasty to cavalry. Infantry aren't going to greatly love it either. I quite like the two melee expert um, swordsmen in each unit because once you're engaged, they can flip out quite nicely to the sides, which you can't do with pole arm and long spear, obviously, because you have to have the double ranks because they count as part of the, um, the fact of... Uh, for, for having two ranks in a melee so you've got something you can expand out and again i'm not expecting to win with those but i am expecting to hold people up delay them maybe give the cataracts a chance to work around them or come through a gap or so there you go anyway over to you guys um i'm not a fan of poor cantabrian cavalry um the double minus if they have to skirmish means i think they're just one-shot wonders, frankly, um, and you have to get lucky. Um, 
terms of the actual army composition, yeah, I'd have to say another army. I wouldn't want to fight with the Balhai, I think. <laughs> Although, does it have enough punch? Mm, probably. I thought in some ways it, 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 it shared that with the um, the BS that I, I did. It, it's just got a bit more punch in terms of its cavalry. It's where, where to insert some of the units at the right time. Timing will be quite quite important on this one. The I I, must admit, I don't like the combat shy on the rear rank followers for the Biatch. Not keen. I, I can see why you've done it, but I'm not keen. <laughs> um, uh, in 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 the spirit of how we usually do these things, if I remove the Spanish squirrely shooty stuff. <laughs> Uh, and take off the combat shy from the rear ranks of uh, the noble cavalry. That brings <laughs> the that that brings the army to exactly ten thousand points. Oh, there you are. I think it's sold. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Richard on, on poor Cantabrian. Um, it it's perfectly good if the if the opponent's army is more like is infantry. <laughs> This is anything that's got a reasonable speed, they'll just die really quickly. They they actually so, my, in in my head where I had them was in between two of the cavalry units. So if you were charging hmm. the you know you you can intercept charge possibly create yeah or not or, or not skirmishing cavalry in the, the yes. skirmish away yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, all right. Yes, as Richard says, you know, it's the double whammy. You might throw one, and they still follow on and clobber them. Yeah, but you take the risk. But yeah, um, I, I, but, I, I, I think losing the Cantabrian and and therefore losing the combat shy on the Biash cavalry is a better trade. Yes, I suspect you're right. Yeah, it is. And then, then I think that probably makes this army one that I wouldn't be that wild about using the Biash my Biash army against actually. This one's a bit punchier, and if I didn't have somewhere I could some terrain to use for the Japanese ally, that could be quite be quite vulnerable. Yes, because of course, I mean, all the armoured could go into the train. All right, charge into you wouldn't be great, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, it's evens into the fight after that isn't it yeah yeah but if if if, if it was a pretty open table yeah you, you might be able to you probably got a better chance of getting a a cavalry unit into say the average archers mm. in my army you'll probably go through them fairly quickly unless i get a really good shot at you coming in yeah i mean my instinct, obviously, is, as you say, my, my, my addiction to heavy metal would, was for the, the, the all cataphracts, because you can have quite a lot of cataphracts by taking that ally and the internal mm. cataphracts. Um, I don't know, but it, it just felt with the, the infantry that you could have and the minimums that you need to protect, it just felt that you needed the faster shock troop. I, I suspect if you went really caval cataphract heavy on it, you have to lose a unit somewhere. Yeah. Because of the extra cost of the cataphracts. Especially if you've got your Son Bay and the Allied Guard cavalry as cataphracts as their superior, you're going to be talking a lot of points there. They, you know, you're talking 
we said of just under 1200 points a unit you'll be looking at more closer to 1500 points a unit for those two if they become cataphracts uh yeah it comes out at 13 Actually, well, I think. sorry sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll, sorry yeah it'll be 13 because so i was thinking about assassins with dev charges. yes you were the dev charges yeah <laughs> exactly. because that was, that but, was the last cataphracts i used as well uh, yeah, so, so yeah, you, you, I think you'd have to find some points somewhere. Yeah, it looks like you need about another 400, 450 points to yeah. convert the superior cavalry to cataphracts. Yeah, which yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. maybe something you might have to. Well, you could do it with say dropping those scout cavalry and maybe just going with a competent CNC or making him instinctive instead of professional. You could do it. Yeah, talented instinctive drops me down to six PBS and a scouting yeah. of three, which yeah, I, I just feel you need the edge on. Oh, I think I think you'd go for you'd probably go for competent professional instead, wouldn't you? Yeah, save some points if you were going to save points that way. It will keep you. It probably makes you seven three. Yeah, it makes me seven three, but it would give me the four hundred and fifty I needed to make those cataphracts. Interesting yeah. choice, but. Mm. My, my control freak nature tends to go towards the talented professional and faster moving cavalry, quite frankly. But um, it'd be one to try, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it's another interesting one. I must admit, I, I, before we looked at these, I'd not spent that much time looking at the Koreans. So apart from that, that Biash one, I knocked up just on a whim, really, <laughs> some time ago, just as something a bit different to use. There is one of the Koreans I twigged. I think it's in the Genghis list, which is actually allowed fully armored cataract charging lancers. Oh, there is one weirdo, isn't there? Yeah, and I think it's possibly the only list in the book that, besides um, if you go for like um, Italian cataphracts from the Italian wars, effectively, I think is what they become. Um, oh, outside of the, the Western. Yeah. Charging um, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, 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 it's it's the it's the Gorai um the Korean Korean list basically the first one in <laughs> in, in in the um Kingis yeah, and it's um it's the Singai Singai Guard. Yeah, that's the one. The cavalry. Superior, oh yeah. Superior armored horse, fully armored charging lancer melee expert, and you can have up to half of the twelve guard. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they, they, they just one unit then. <laughs> So it's one unit, yeah. but they are like, yeah, I mean, in effect, they're like medieval nuns, late medieval nuns, which is perhaps a quite generous yeah. That's a really unusual one. Yeah, I, I think it's list. the only, only one you find in the Eastern lists for... Um, yeah. Oh, well, the, the occasional oddity. You know, it's also it, it's also a list where the, all the infantry can have barricades, literally all the infantry <laughs> can have barricades. Oh, but but bar the superior guard, they yeah. they don't have to. I'm guessing they feel secure in their own manhood. Yeah. They don't need to stand behind a barricade. Is is a question for us all? N none of us went and did uh, Joseon, or however you pronounce it, Korean. The last list in Genghis, uh, which seems to have some fans, and I'm fairly sure you've used it. Matt. I, I used it at the last Ice and Fire. I, I didn't do particularly well with it, but there again, it, I I used a composition for the figures that I'd been given as a Christmas present. So, 
So it was a lot of infantry, and uh, I thought Richard with it, in fact, and he he, he handed me my hat and said, there, go yeah. away and think about that list. Because that's one that can have... That, that, that skill, have... skilled shoot and charge cavalry. Form flexible, average protected, skilled bow shoot and charge. Yeah. Yeah, which is quite a nice, nice... Short spear, aren't they? The short spear Oh, as probably well. short spear as well, yeah. But yeah. I, just, I just remember they're, they're protected... <laughs> Skilled bow shooting yeah. charge, yeah. Well, not, and, not exactly cheap, but they could they can be really, really effective. And, and they've got some very nice guard lancer, um, yeah. drilled close, uh, drilled loose yeah. charging I lancer, th- melee expert yeah. as well. So, I, th- I, th- I think a few it's been used a few times, and that I have an impression, although you know, something like Paul, Paul Cummings will be able to tell us it's not performed as well as you might expect. It's less than its whole, and I'm not sure if it's. I, I I have a couple of alternatives that I've worked out, which I still haven't managed to get on the table for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, at the moment, it's performing less than what it's uh, the sum of its parts, shall we say? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe you end up sinking just a few too many points into the good the the good units, and you the supporting cast is a bit weak. I think it's one of those where you feel that you really should be shooting charging with the skilled skilled cavalry, and I think people do it too quickly. It might be one which needs more patience, and you need to pull back a few times, make a yes. bit of a dent, and then shoot and charge with them. You know, keep retreating I've, back a bit. I fought it out of competition once, and that's exactly what happened. They were brought up and char- almost charged as soon as they could. They hadn't softened up their target enough yeah. or at all as it turned out <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you when you throw that wave of greens and they're all blanks and yeah you go, oh six green dice and nothing yeah it's just, it's just one of those you know you, if you only you know that, that one shot you, you you could roll skulls with all those dice and you could roll but there's more blanks and, yeah. and, and wounds on those dice green dice and there are skulls so yeah i wonder if people get trapped into that they 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 feel they have to charge ASAP. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely can happen. Yeah, where's a bit of patience can be. Okay. Well, that's our three army lists to go with with your, your historical gallop. And so I think we have reached the end of this podcast. And unless either of you have anything you wish to impart to our listeners. They've probably had enough drivel from me this evening. So. <laughs> Not from me. Okay, so as ever, thank you both very much for this. Um, and you never know, we might, you know, this, this is being done towards the end of November. We might just get another one in before Christmas. Um, but we shall have to see. As I said, this one was somewhat delayed from when we'd originally planned due to real life. So that could happen again. Anyway, goodbye. Good gaming, and hopefully see some of you across the table at some time. Goodbye, all. Goodbye.